straight out of Austin, Texas. It's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, Statesman Sports Columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 298, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. Cedric Golden here with the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And Kirk, um, the, the good news is we have Steve Sarkeesian here with us, the illustrious football coach of the Texas Longhorns. The bad news is he's a Laker fan. And Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you have your moment, Steve. I'm going to let you gloat. I am a closeted Golden State Warriors fan, and I hate Draymond Green and Jordan Poole with all my being this morning, but that's okay. How are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I, I have to admit, I appreciate you letting me do this, Cedric, but I was born and raised like a Laker fan, man. It was Kareem, Jamal Wilkes, Magic, Magic. Byron, James Worthy, Coop. Coop. I mean, it was unbelievable era. And then I got the Shaq Kobe era. And now I've, now I've got the, uh, the LeBron and, and I guess kind of some of the time AD era going on every other day, AD. Yes. I I, I will. I'll say this, you know, I was watching the game last night and this Lonnie Walker, you know, comes in and, you know, he had kind of gotten some, some mop up time in the last couple of games because of the blowouts and he get and he gets put in the game and what a lesson, right. For, I don't care if it's basketball, football, any whatever, sport, any sport, you, you talk about it all the time. Like you just got to keep working and you never know when your number is going to get called and everybody's got a role in helping us try to win a championship. And sure enough, this guy shows up and drops 15 in the fourth quarter and then puts a tweet out, the candle stay lit. I, I just laughing. I said, okay, that's, but, but what a lesson, right? That uh, I can't wait to talk about with our team. Yeah, we figured the Laker Warrior thing would come down to Lonnie Walker and Austin Reeves, right? The two uh, big stars on the Lakers team. Uh, yeah, what a series. Are you pronouncing the series over? Have you given it? No, to the no, 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 not with the Warriors. Not with the Warriors, not going home, not with the Splash Brothers. I mean, when they get hot, man, it's scary. So and, you know, you this taping, I think the game, I think is game is game five Wednesday or Thursday. This comes out on Thursday, so it may be over Thursday, for a while. I know. But, but here's the thing, and I just I'm so glad we're getting to talk hoops. Kirk doesn't talk NBA with me, so I'm I'm glad I'm talking hoops with somebody that likes. <laughs> the thing that the thing that I like is is Rob Palenka, who took a lot of grief. He took a lot of grief. He put this team together, and after the All Star break, they were as good as anybody. It's gonna be it's gonna be them and the Nuggets in the Western really Conference think, Finals, and that's gonna be a fun series. I think they actually have the best record since the All Star break, Absolutely. including including the playoffs right now. And it, and he really has. And I'll say this. The role players that he did sign have impacted the success they've had, whether it was Hachimura in the last series, what Austin Reeves has done, uh, Vanderbilt, his defense, the way he's playing. So all those guys. D'Lo, don't forget D'Lo. Yeah, D'Lo's been – shoot, he wins wins game three. So 
inevitably they've all stepped up. And then, you know, the, the level of consistency LeBron's playing with is pretty incredible. And then the defense of Anthony Davis, I know everyone talks about him scoring, but man, what an impact he has on the defensive end. Steph was making those layups against the Kings and now he's missing them because he's looking over his shoulder. Because the Kings didn't have an AD. triple double, though. He didn't miss too much, 31 points. He missed a lot of threes. And he, he missed like a lot of layups. Assists, something like that. So this is the best sixth and seventh seed in history of NBA, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, look at what the Heat are doing in the East, too. Yeah. 3 1 on the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. They're tearing knock it up. Off, knock off the Bucks, and now they're, they're getting ready to move on. Yeah. I know we could talk NBA forever, but uh, we want to stick, stay in our lane a little bit with you. Uh, I assume you by now you've seen the Urban Meyer quote saying that Texas may have the best roster in all of college football. Uh, do you are you endorsing that uh, that statement by Urban Meyer, Steve? I feel like it was a little bit of a setup. I don't know. <laughs> of course. How do you find I, out he's going to be the new head coach at Auburn next year? Yeah. I know I know this much. You know, there's some pretty good rosters out there. I mean, Georgia doesn't get 25 players drafted the last two years. And Alabama and Georgia have, I think, 10 drafted this year. And um, what Michigan and Ohio State have been doing. There, there's some really good rosters. And you, you can't try to compare yourself to everybody else. You, you just hope that – you've built your own roster as we have here in, in a way that suits us and, and what's, what makes us comfortable um, to make sure that a, we got the frontline players that, that can compete at the highest level B that we have the depth right at position, especially the ones that are needed the most when if in and or with injuries occur that you can withstand that um, and then see that you've got a good culture. Right. And, and I think that we've done those things, um, would I like for us to be a little older? Sure. You know, but, but I do know, Hey, we're returning 10 starters on the offensive side of the ball. And that's encouraging. I know a couple of those guys were two or were true freshmen a year ago, but what valuable experience they got, you know, playing 13 games a year ago. So, uh, I like our team, you know, I've, I haven't, you know, shied away from that. Um, I, I think we do have a good football team as much as it is the roster talent. I, I think the culture piece too. You know what? And, you know, you said two of those guys are true freshmen. One of them is Kelvin Banks, who could play in the NFL next year. But I, I digress. That guy is a monster, just a just a beast of a tackle. Um, the word that you brought up so many times since we've known you is culture. And then earlier this spring, you said you finally have the roster that you wanted. And I know that's not just about personnel. I think that's also about buy-in, what you've gotten from the guys that have been around you for a couple of years. How important is that buy-in from top to bottom? We talked about Lonnie Walker, obviously bought into a team concept, having not played as much. How important is that for me, for you, not just for your stars, but for the lower tier guys to know that there's a chance that I could be part of this too on the field if I buy into the culture? Well, I think there's so much that goes into that, right? And I, I know you guys may have maybe heard me talk a little bit about this, but I, this is kind of like a you got three pods that you're working with here, right? One is our staff, right? And I think our staff continuity has been really strong here over three years. Um, obviously, the in, the entirety of the decent defensive staff, you know, staying whole and staying true, and those guys growing and working together. 
offensively, um, you know, pretty good continuity, had, had better continuity coming in just from the guys coming with me from Alabama, Coach Flood, Coach Banks, Coach Milley, but good continuity there. I think from a recruiting uh, staff perspective, you know, what we've had with with um, Billy Glasscock and Brandon Harrison, that continuity. So that was one pot. I love our staff continuity. I think the second pot is those players that were here when I arrived, right? Those guys that were that were in that 21 class that signed in December, as well as the guys on the roster of those guys that are still here today clearly have bought into the ideas and the, and the thoughts and the, and the processes of which we go through to try to become a good football team, or they wouldn't be here anymore. The transfer portal has allowed that, and those guys are completely bought in. And then the third pod is this group of young men that we've recruited the last two years, whether it's out of high school or in the transfer portal, they're coming here because they believed in what we, what we were talking about in the recruiting process and they matched what we were looking for. And in the end, um, I just think the way we, you know, the, the way we look, the way we walk, the way we talk, the way we dress, the way we eat, it's just more of a comfort level for me that, man, this just feels like my team. And the beauty of it is, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, there was a, a tweet, I think the bears put out and it was about the running back coach was talking about Roshan Johnson and one of their first position meetings of when the meeting was done, Roshan went and picked up all the water bottles in the meeting room and threw them out that other players had left behind. Um, and that's our culture. Our culture is about what more can I do? not what more can I get? And I think that when you have that buy-in, I think guys pull for one another. Uh, they're there for one another. And hopefully they're ready when their number's called, regardless if they're on the cover of magazines going into the preseason, or if maybe they're a little further on the depth chart that they would like to be. But hopefully they're working towards being ready and that the guys appreciate the work that everybody's putting in. Yeah, no substitute for good character like Roshan Johnson, that's for sure. Uh one of the things that I think Urban Meyer noticed is that Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and even Clemson to a certain degree don't have starting quarterback coming back like you do. And I know you're you're firmly in Quinn Ewers' camp. Is there one area, if you had to pinpoint one major area where you think he's made the biggest stride since last year, what would that be, Steve? Oof. I hate you. I hate when you pin me down like this on one. You're used to it by now, though. Yeah, you can have like two. Um, you know, do two. Do two. You can do famous. I think there's. I really one question with three. Yeah, go ahead. I really, I really think there's two things. I think one, there's a real level of comfort for him systematically. Um, You know, we, we, I was joking with him during spring ball you know, after a couple practices and then after the first scrimmage, I said, do you remember how you felt a year ago at this time? He goes, man, I was swimming. I didn't know where but the third read was and then trying to tie it all together. Now there's such a comfort level of getting through his progression, being able to talk to a younger player, a younger receiver about where he needs to be on the play. You know, he, that first time in a system, at least in ours, you're almost in survival mode. You're just trying to figure it out and you hope that first read is open because that makes things a lot easier. Uh, but when you have to get through your progression or respond to the, the blitz or change of protection, that that's, that's a lot. And so if that's the one area I get, I'm going to choose that because I just think there's such a level of comfort to where he's at, that he's playing faster. He's playing more confidently uh, that that definitely adds up. But I think it leads to the second thing um, that, that, 
is a physical deal now that I think when you are more confident and you throw the ball with more conviction, um, you know, I just feel like the the deep ball, we made so many strides th- this spring. And it's a point of emphasis of ours going into spring practice. It's going to be a point of emphasis this summer. It's going to be a point of emphasis in fall camp. Um, and I'm of the adage, you get what you emphasize as a coach, uh, because that aspect of our offense has to come to fruition for us to be the offense that we want to be. We want to still be able to run the football really well. We have to be able to utilize the RPO game. And if you're going to then sit down as a defense and try to take away the run and take away those RPOs, we have to have the ability to throw it over your head. And uh, we just weren't, we weren't very good at it a year ago for, for a variety of reasons. And I'm going to own that as a coach. We didn't coach it well enough. And so the commitment there on our end, I think from the player's perspective, they see it that, um, that that's an area physically where I just think Quinn and and the guys around him have really t- you know just taken leaps and strides. Well, with Quinn and and Malik Murphy and and young Arch Manning, um, that's that's arguably the most talented quarterback room Texas has had since it was Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and and Javon Sneed, the late Javon Sneed, who went on to be an All SEC quarterback. Um, at was it Mississippi or Mississippi State? One of those two. Um, you made no secret uh, that it will take more than one quarterback most seasons to 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 do what you need to do. So how big was it um, that Malik Murphy decided to stay? Because Sark, his phone was ringing. It was obvious. People were reaching out to him. Yeah, I, I think, man, I thought it was great, obviously. You know, I, I think there's a, there's a few things about Malik that sometimes you don't know when it's not the starting quarterback per se. A Malik is an awesome teammate. You know, he, he really is such a positive influence on everybody that he's around on a daily basis, whether it's teammates, coaches, staff members. Um, I think too, I think Malik, you know, it's been a little bit of a frustrating road, I think for him and for us. And the fact that he just hasn't been able to kind of didn't come in healthy. Uh, You know, I can't blame the guy for breaking his foot in a state championship game. Right. And just that recovery has been hard. And uh, in the end, for him to finally kind of get to a point to where he could be healthy enough to compete and compete at a high level, I think everybody can kind of see the work that he's been putting in and that we've been putting in with him. And I think it says a lot about Malik about two things. One, I think there's a level of appreciation for the commitment that we've made in trying to develop him to become the player that he could be. And and I think he sees it and he sees the growth. And I think too, I think it talks about our culture, man, that this guy likes playing with the guys that he's in that locker room with. He knows where this team's headed. He knows where this program's headed. Um, And in the end, you know, like I've said this all along, this, this quarterback room is the healthiest one that that I've been a part of since I've been here. I think if you ask Quinn, if you ask Malik, if you ask Arch, if you, if you ask Charles Wright, just about the connection with one another, um, that's what it's about. They're focused on what they need to do to get better individually and then be the best teammate they can be to support the other guys when it's their turn. And so Hey, if, if, if we need one, if we need two, if we need three quarterbacks to, to make this thing happen the way we want it to, I think we're in a pretty good spot to make, to make it happen. Was there one biggest impression from Arch Manning spring that you, you got Steve, I know he got a standing ovation spring game and then he, you know, he, he didn't wow anybody like a freshman three months from high school would, uh, what did you what stood out about him these first few months here on campus? 
highly, highly, highly competitive young man. Uh, you know, you, you don't really know. You, you try to learn him as best you can in recruiting. You try to, um, you know, you try to get the personality traits in. You try to, you know, you go watch him play games in person, but you, you don't get to really look underneath the hood, right? You know, they, it's like going to buy the car off the lot. They, they don't want to really pop the hood for you. They want to show you it's shiny, it's great, and, you know, take it for a test drive. Uh, but in the end, now when they're, he's here and you get a chance to get under the hood with him, this guy wants to be great. And, you know, he, he, he wants the install a day early. You know, he wants to watch his, his reps and, and how can he get better and, and extra time and wants to throw after practice. And that's, that's the characteristics that you want. And, and again, Hey, he wanted, he wanted to go 10 for 10 in the spring game. So did we for him, right? I want it for all our guys, but in the end, the competitiveness that he has continues to drive him to be the best. And when he gets to that point, I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. That's all part of the process as you grow through it, but it's not going to be for lack of want to or competitiveness and drive that, that he has uh, to want to be special and to want to be not just the quarterback at Texas, but to want to win a championship here and, and, and do it with the guys in that locker room. He's thrown to some really talented cats, Xavier Worthy, Jordan Whittington, A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayar. Um, that's an explosive receiving core, and you are a quarterback yourself in a, in a throwing offense. How do you keep those wideouts? Uh, they're already hungry. How do you keep them happy? Well, I think I think the one thing is them recognizing that everybody gets to eat. Right. And this isn't about, you know, we're feeding one and everybody else gets the scraps. Everybody's going to get to eat uh, in this offense. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate in, in 2019 at Alabama, we had four first round pick wide receivers on that team. Right. Wow. We, we had wow. Jerry Judy, we had Henry Ruggs, we had Devonte Smith and we had Jalen Waddle. And wow. Wow. all of those guys, all top 15 picks, I think at the end, but all of those guys had their opportunities. And there were some games where one guy would have the, the, the breakout game and the other guys would play well. And then the next week it might be a different guy. Uh, but in the end, when you have four weapons like that, um, and at the, on that team, we had Najee Harris too, that had to make sure he was getting his carries. So uh, in, in our world, you know, we've got JT Sanders as well too. And so the reality of it is the better they all play around and collectively for one another, man, that's what's, that's the fun part because then who are you going to try to stop? Who are you going to try to defend? And, and now guys can start to take on, take advantage of some of that one-on-one coverage where the safety's not cheating over the top of you all the time, that maybe he's got to start playing it honest and worry about some other people. And uh, in the end, I mean, that that's hopefully what makes us explosive, at least explosive the way I think we can be to go along with, um, you know, the experience up front on the offensive line a year under Quinn's belt. Um, you know, then we kind of all kind of forgot about some of the the plays that Keelan Robinson made last year in kind of his role. And then it's just solidifying this running back thing, which that, that, that's going to sort itself out. But man, we, we've got a, we've got a pretty, ta- pretty talented group offensively. If you flip to the defense, who's looks like your most promising edge rusher? Is it Baron Sorrell? Is it Ethan Burke? Who, who looks like, I wouldn't be surprised this guy really sets himself apart in the fall. Well, I think those two guys stand out initially. You know, I think Sorrell obviously going into year three, he he's a really committed young man. 
he has worked and worked and worked to, to get his body to where it is. And he does a lot of things extra. He's got the right mindset. And we saw the growth from year one to year two, you know, a guy goes from playing sparingly to when he was in there struggling at times to year two, you know, getting five and a half sacks and playing well against the run. You know, if, if, if he can, you know, push the needle on that upwards to eight and a half, nine, that's a, that's a really good year, you that know, works. as, yeah. as, as head player. I think Ethan Burke from year one, man, he is a natural, you know, pass rusher. He's got long arms. He's got a really high football IQ. Um, he's a guy, you know, a guy to me that, um, you know, we're going to tinker with some that we, you saw some in the spring game is, is playing Anthony Hill some at, at that position and utilizing his versatility. Right. He's very disruptive there as well. Not to take anything away from a Jamon tap or a justice Finkley. Some of some of our other younger players, um, the, these guys are all talented. There's a level of consistency though, you, that you need to play with. I, I'm, I'm excited to see Jure Bledsoe in year two, nice. uh, to see what he can do coming off the edge. So I think we're, we're in a little better spot than maybe people would think, um, mm-hmm. because we're just not returning some guy who got 10 sacks a year ago. And it was a, you know, was a freshman all American, but I, I do think that we've got a, a nice combination of, of, of people that can do it to go along with, I think our interior rush guys demand so much attention that our edge guys, I think are going to affect the quarterback pretty well. How excited are you about this challenge on defense? I mean, you lost so much institutional knowledge and, and talent to Marvion Overshawn, Snacks Colburn, Moro Ojimo, Ovi, Anthony Cook, Deshaun Jameson, do return Jalen Ford, who I think is the best linebacker in the country. Um, it all starts with those big dogs, Byron Murphy, yeah. Sweat, and Alfred Collins, who we've been waiting on since yeah. he had a great Alamo Bowl his freshman year, and we're waiting on him to put it all together. How important are those three guys? Because they're the you're they're your three most experienced guys coming back. Well, they really are. Um, and I think they all wanted more a year ago or the last couple of years. And, and that was part of the rotation that was there. And so now here it is, you know, and, and now here's your opportunity, Byron Murphy, to be that guy, right? Here's your opportunity to Vondre Sweat to be that guy. Here's your opportunity, Alfred Collins. Here's your opportunity, uh, Vernon Broughton. Um, and, and then, you know, the addition of Trill Carter from Minnesota, who's a very experienced player as well. So I do think we're going to be good inside. I think we're going to be disruptive. Uh, but, but again, we lost some good players and that, that, I, I agree with you. I mean, what, what Coburn was, what, what Ojimo was, what Demo was kind of to that, to that front, but that's part of the growth and that's part of recruiting. And that's why you have to keep replenishing that, you know, the kind of, that the cupboards there with, with quality people and quality players. And I, and I think that we've done that. And I think guys now are maturing into a spot to when it's their time to play and they're not getting forced in early in their career, but they're, they're kind of ready to play and and ready to take that next step to be, I think the dominant players that, that we all think they can be. Are you a uh, game planning for Alabama yet? And I was wondering when the trash talking is going to start between you and Nick. <laughs> um. Shoot. I, you know, I always, I always kind of peek ahead at, at some of our, especially our newer opponents that we don't play kind of year in and year out. Uh, so I, I do that this time of year. So I've got a chance to look at them and they're going to be a really good team. Don't, don't let the, uh, don't drink the rat poison as coaches <laughs> over there about uh, what, uh, you know, what, what we think they're going to be. They're going to be a really good football team. They got a lot of great players. Uh, they hired some good coaches. So we, <laughs> we got our work cut out for us over there, but um uh, 
you know, I, I, uh, I try to steer clear of, of anything about, you know, just kind of poking that bear, not that no pun intended with what's going on <laughs> in the sports world right now, but he, um, he's a great coach and he's always going to have his guys ready to go. So we will, we'll be ready. And, and, you know, when that, when that week comes, our guys will be locked in and focused, ready to go. And here I was thinking Kirk was going to ask you about when the trash talking with Rice was going to start. I we really disappointed in Mr. Bowles today. Sorry. Quit skipping ahead. Oh, Overlook the Rice Owls. We got it circled already, too. Come on. Oh, yeah. I got the Rice game circled. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Last one from me. Uh, three months before camp, uh, what do you and your staff do to hone in between now and then? And uh, is this, do you get some recruiting done? What, what, what happens between now and August? Yeah, so for the next couple of weeks, we're just kind of wrapping up spring recruiting. So our assistants are still on the road um, doing that. I do stuff like this. I get on calls on podcasts with you guys and, and go on the Texas tour and and go around the state talking to everybody and, and getting them kind of fired up about the season and our team. Um, our, our QCs, our analysts, our GAs are prepping for our coaches to come back. So they're, they are doing a lot of the prep work for these opponents coming up this season right now. Um, and then right after Memorial Day, we start up with our players. They're back for summer school. Um, I think that's May 30th, uh, that Tuesday. We start getting with them. We start our, our summer conditioning program. Uh, we start a lot of our skill development. And, we, and we, again, we do that for eight weeks straight. Uh, we do a lot of our culture work through, during June and July. Um, so that that's kind of this month is really a down time on campus. Our players are home. They, they're away from us for a while, which they probably need the break. And we, we, we need it, too. And then when June and July come back, we're rolling. You know, we're, we're running, we're lifting, we're talking ball. We're, we're doing all that, all that stuff. We're trying to develop the team. And then August hits and it's on, you know, and then we start, we start going. So um, three months sounded like a long time when you said that, so like three months, man, that feels like a long time, but right. I also know how fast three months go and this thing's going to come quick. And then uh, away we go. I was just telling somebody earlier today, I love the season because my schedule is so regimented. I don't have these oddball. I got an interview at this time. I got to go to this. I got to speak to that. I know what Sunday to Saturday at midnight looks like every week. And I don't have to blink. Like I just, I don't even have to look at my phone. What do I have tomorrow? I know exactly what's coming. So I look forward to that. And what about June and July for Steve Sarkisian? Pickleball tournament, you go into the beach. Uh, what are you going to do to get away? Well, let me, let me tell you something. I, I was playing pickleball last summer, right? Okay. And then, then Miss L'Oreal, who was, you know, a former track athlete, professional track runner, tore her Achilles about a month ago, three weeks ago. That's brutal. And I'm a lot older than her. And so I'm now a little more hesitant about uh, what – I would hate to be coaching in a boot like she's walking around in right now on crutches. So I'm going to probably play a little more golf, uh, maybe a little more pool time and maybe not quite as much pickleball and, and uh, stadium stairs. If you're, if, away, you're Lakers, you're... if you're Lakers go to the NBA finals, are you going to go back home and try to take in a game at, at oh, the, almost, what is it, the crypto.com arena now? I have a hard time saying that at the Staples Center just sounds a it's lot better, Staples, but man, I would, I would almost, I would almost for certain say I'm going to find my way back for, for a game at, at the crypto.com arena. <laughs> whatever. 
Call Jack. Call Jack. We'll get you a courtside seat. Hey, right? he had Jim Gray sitting next to him. If Jim Gray okay. could get out of game, I know Steve Sarkeesian <laughs> could get in a game in the front row. Jim Gray hasn't been a – he hadn't been a thing in 30 years. Come on. Jim Gray? Really? The guy Kirk Bowles. Come on. Come on. Stop it. Stop it. So, big year. Last year for the Big 12. Uh, I know you got uh, some big goals for this season. Yeah, it's exciting. I, you know, I think that we all um, – this has been a heck of a conference, and not just for football, but I think for all sports at UT and um, the, the state of the athletic department, I think, at, at Texas right now is is probably as high as it has ever been. I mean, every sport is really performing at such a high level. And um, for this going into our last – I know we're finishing up our spring sports right now, and there's some that, that have got – you know, a heck of a run ahead of them. Uh, but I think we all want to, we all want to do it the right way and, and do it in a way that, um, you know, there, there's a lasting memory for our last year in the big 12. And that starts with us. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that we've, we put together a roster and a staff that is, is more than capable to, uh, to go compete for a conference championship. Um, and like I've said before, now we have to make that come to life. And so that, that takes hard work, that takes dedication, that takes commitment and um, I think we're on the right path right now. And then ultimately it's going to take some, some hard fought victories. There's some really good teams in our conference coming back. And so there's going to, it's going to take some hard fought victories and it's going to take our entire roster, which we talked about earlier, because, you know, in, in our sport injuries do, do occur and we're going to need that next man up ready to step up and, and perform. Well, good luck. We it, yeah. We appreciate it so much. Thanks for, for taking some time out. We know you're, you're, you're on the road a lot during the Texas tour, making people happy. And uh, you've definitely made our, our listeners happy with, with the knowledge you dropped today. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk soon. All righty, guys. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, man. You. See you, guys. On Second Thought. Duck. Steve Sarkeesian's dance car is pretty full. It was pretty nice of him to... Join us for a few minutes, talk a little bit about the spring and what's going on. This is a good time. This is kind of like that in-between mm-hmm. part where the spring ended, summer's coming up, and then we get the big stuff to fall. The media days are going to be around the corner. So he seemed to be in a pretty good mood. Yeah, and, and he should be because he, he's finally got the roster he wants. So uh, that's big help. And you left out the most important thing. The transfer portal window has closed for <laughs> music to coaches' ears. Man, that is – it keeps them up nights. How yeah. can it not? How can it not? Exactly. You can wake up tomorrow and your best player says, you know, deuces, I'm out. Got to re-recruit your own players. It's, it's, it's a heck of a situation. I hope they adjust it and tweak it somehow to make it a little bit more palatable to everybody. Well, before we get out of here, Doug, you know, the Texas baseball team, this is kind of a, you know, they could take a breath somewhat. I mean, they played played um, UT Arlington Tuesday. As of this recording, they were scheduled to play Tuesday. And then this weekend, starting tomorrow, Friday, they get San Jose State for three. But then next week, we find out what's up. West Virginia, first place in the Big 12 coming in. To deep to the dish and can the Texas Longhorns probably need to get a sweep to have any chance of of getting a a conference title and any hopes of a hosting 
regional bid, which I just don't see that happening, even if they sweep West Virginia, Doug, I don't. No, and, and West Virginia, quite frankly, could put it out of reach because uh, Texas is four games behind them in the loss column. So uh, they've got to hope Texas Tech uh, goes into uh, Morgantown and does the Longhorns some favors and knock off West Virginia uh, at minimum of once to give them a chance since Texas is off from league play this week. Because if West Virginia go, stays at home and sweeps Texas Tech, it's all over no matter what happened. And as you mentioned, Oklahoma State and Kansas State locked in a second-place tie 11-7. They're going to sort them things out, and they nice. obviously have a chance, especially if Texas Tech does some damage. But, uh, yeah, it's highly unlikely they're going to uh, host a regional at this point. And there may not be a regional host from a Big 12 team, which is probably be the first time ever that I can remember. And uh, Texas had a chance with a, a week off from league play to kind of, you know, get some people some reps, maybe sort out their pitching staff a little bit more after the great performance by LBJ and uh, Lawrence. And you know what? Ever since 2014, there's been there's been a Big 12 team in the top eight. And, and then way before then, there's always been a Big 12 team in the top 16. It's a great baseball conference, Duck. It but is it's not a great year for the Big Twelve no. baseball no, conference. It's, it's just not. It's not. West Virginia could host and probably will host. I think they're ranked twelfth in the nation right now. And the last projection I saw said Texas was going to Dallas Baptist, which is better than a week before when they had them headed to Arkansas. They want to avoid Arkansas. At Arkansas. <laughs> so. Yeah, Don't they, want any part of Bomb Stadium. They want to summer. stay out of Fayetteville. So, yeah, not that DBU would be any walk in the park, but they had them going there with, I think, Sam Houston State and May and A&M as well. So that could be a fun little regional if it happens. Saving on the frequent flyer miles. Man. You know what? You mentioned LeBaron Johnson. He was nails. We've been waiting. He's had little glimpses. Of yes. that number two guy, because we can't pin all our hopes on Tanner Witt. We uh, we just can't duck no. too far. It's just too much to ask at this yeah. point to ask him to be a turnkey uh, number two guy. And I mean, if he can give him something, that's great. But if LeBaron Johnson can do that, then Texas all of a sudden is dangerous, duck. They have enough offense. Well, they do have enough offense. Dylan Campbell, big reason for that. Uh, you know, hats off to him for setting the record for longest uh, uh, active hitting streak. hitting streak at 26 games. Broke Michael Torres' record. Good for him. And uh, it's funny, I wrote about that in Nine Things this week, about who the best hitters were that I've ever seen, you know, covering college baseball for 50 years. And, you know, the obvious ones are, are you know, Keith, Keith Moreland. Moreland. And Brooks Kieschnick, yes. uh, Ryan Cesarek is another one, and David Denny. Uh, who just one of my favorites, Duck. Yeah, who you got? Dustin Mayeski, the country he, boy from Brenham. He was darn he good. Four, over 400 in two seasons at Texas. Yeah, just a terrific year. And I was trying to think, and I mentioned this in my Nine Things column, some of the ones that I've seen over 50 years and seen personally. You know, Robin Ventura kind of – was the gold standard. You remember he had his 56 game. Oh yeah. And, uh, had it finally snapped, uh, at 58 games at Omaha. And, uh, but you know, there's, you know, I saw Barry Bonds, uh, Oda B. McDowell at Arizona state, Mark Kotze at K 
Cal State Fullerton. Barry Larkin. You saw Barry, Barry Larkin. Larkin at Michigan. I can still remember interviewing him and Chris Sabo in their hotel room at Omaha one year. Uh, and two of the best, two of the all-time best pure hitters, Mississippi State, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero. Wow. Yeah. Were, you then? Were you born then? I don't know if you remember seeing them. Yes, I was, sir. That Are was you, okay. that was I was in high school. It wasn't that 1984 when they got to the co- to the College World Series? And, and a little bit later, yeah. Bobby so, Bigpen was the pitcher, was was one Bobby of the pitchers. Bigpen, I remember, right? yeah, yeah, I was watching that then. I I, I was driving by then. Right. I wasn't a I wasn't a pub, Doug, but I but I had a full <laughs> head of hair and no gut, so it was it was good times back in then. I do remember those teams. Yes, I do. But you're just not as old as me. I can still remember John Olerud from BYU and Paul wow. Molitor and Dave Winfield from Minnesota. I mean, some just great hitters. So, uh, but but again, hats off, Dylan Campbell. He's raised his batting average up to hundred points. He was over the season at first. He couldn't buy one at first. Nothing. Buy hit. Exactly. And now, now he's a walking cash register. He is. Yeah, he's at like three twenty one now. And good so. for that kid. Good for that kid. Yeah. He waited his turn and yeah. uh, played the platoon game, and now they can't do without him. I mean, he's he's our most reliable hitter. Right, and and uh, also. Uh, David Pierce moved Jared Thomas, the freshman first baseman, to lead off, and he's yeah. come through. He's really looked good, and they moved Peyton Powell to number two in the order. He's been their most consistent hitter. And drop down EK, Eric Kennedy. He's seven. In the order, maybe takes a little pressure off him a little bit. EK's hitting the ball now at seven. I mean, we don't – I don't care where you hit as long as you hit. Yeah, had a big three-run jacket against Kansas. So – and I think now they've won – I think uh, they've won three straight road series in Big 12 play, which is very big for their psyche – since they're probably going to have to go on the road once the NCAA tournament starts. So, and you know what? Um, they can get this, it together a little bit. This can this could this could prove prove vital for them. They've learned how to win away from the house. I mean, after that last uh, win at Kansas, that improved them to, to ten and seven. I mean, on the road, that is not a great road record. No. But you know what? It's not a losing road record, and they've kind of discovered something here of late. And maybe, just maybe. They'll have enough pitching. Augie Garrido always said, you got to have four starting pitchers in a tournament situation. They don't have that, Doc. They'd they set up for three. They'd set they up for three. Yeah, they'd, set, they'd kill for three. They may not even have two. We'll see what if LeBaron has turned a corner because he sure looked unhittable. They had no clue what to do with him. It's, uh, funny, it's funny, too, came on the same series where Lucas Gordon lost his first – uh, decision of the year and you know he was due to have one clunker a little bit but uh, uh you're right if they can get lbj in that number two spot solidly travis staley you know his best game is a longhorn david pierce said so you know very impressive so if they can get some some people get a few more pitches on the, the workload for tanner witt ace whitehead boogie whitehead is doing well in a relief role zane nice. Moore. Had a great uh, three up, three down inning in the eighth, and then hit a couple of rock, gave up a couple of rockets in the ninth. So there's some, there's few positive signs for that pitching staff now. At yeah, the and, and they just have to, they just have to forget what's happened and just move forward. You're in a position. Yeah, you can make some noise, and and if they go to Dallas and have to play DBU and A and M and Sam Houston, that's a winnable regional. That's yeah. winnable. 
It is. It and, is. And I, a bomb stadium, I guess, would be winnable too, but not as winnable as mm-hmm. Dallas Baptist, I suspect. So um, they're not dead yet, Duck. They're just going to have to take the scenic route to get to where they need to be. And until they lose two games in a regional, the Texas Longhorns has have as good a chance as anyone in the conference. Not a great conference from yeah. top to bottom. There are four teams that could win this conference on any given season. So uh, still – it's still good that they're still in there and, and and haven't just gone by the wayside after that Oklahoma sweep. Yeah, no, they got a pulse. They really got a pulse. Uh, and a shout-out before we go to the, the men and women's tennis teams at Texas. Uh, Bruce Burke, uh, his number one ranked Longhorns, got by Pepperdine 4-0 when they play North Carolina, uh, number 14th ranked uh, team, which beat Pac-12 champion Utah 4-0. So they play – North Carolina, Saturday at 3 p.m. at the Texas Tennis Center. And the women of Howard Joffe, defending national champs, play Pepperdine at noon. So there's a doubleheader there at Texas Tennis Center. So I'd encourage everybody to go out and see some high-level tennis. Hopefully and the weather cooperates. Number one ranked uh, men single player in the country. So it should be entertaining. And the softball team's got to figure it out. Got swept. Yeah, that was boy. You didn't expect that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, Bears, really kind of come on too. So they got to get right right before the Big Twelve tournament next week. Lots of spring stuff. Uh, state track meets coming up next week for the high school fans, and so much to talk about. But it's always good to lead off with football. We can't thank Steve Sarkeesian enough for joining us. On episode 298, we appreciate him. We're going to wrap it up this week. For the Duck, Kirk Bowles, I'm Sid Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. 